Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, 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 hello. Remember when we used to do an intro every week? Oh my god. But then someone said, please bring it back. But also, I just realized that we get a few emails from lovely listeners, and I read one the other day and then sent it to you, and we both were like, this is so lovely and amazing, and then we both forgot to reply. Oh, sorry. That always happens. And I yeah. always, it's because I read emails when I'm like drunk or <laughs> going to bed, and then I just yeah. never, ever, ever, ever will reply. This is like something that's been a really big strain on my friendships is that I mentally reply to things and don't actually reply. And I literally in my head think I've replied. Yeah. I think I've sent birthday messages and flowers and things and I haven't. <laughs> flowers? Yes. I'm serious. I sent you a big bunch of lilies. In my head, I'll be like, that was so nice when I sent that person flowers when they like got engaged or like had a baby. And then I remember that I just thought about it and never actually did it. But in my head, it's like I've completed the task. Yeah. So naughty. Mine's, mine is the worst with emails. I've, I can never, ever, ever get a handle on it. I think it's because my – attention span is so short yeah that i'll look at it for a second and then my inbox just fills up and it's just gone forever and ever mm. and ever the other day an editor like texted me i was like hello and i was like oh my god i'm so <laughs> sorry <laughs> hello i was like i read that and thought yep yeah oh no okay so today's gonna be a bit of a pea brain special because i'm in a giddy mood and can't be bothered talking about anything serious yeah we're in a silly mood we just had some bagels with cream cheese, which is funny because it's 3 p.m., which is 
Grace just eats at random times all the time. Yeah. But it's at 3 p.m. and I was like, I want a little snack. Maybe we could get a cookie. And then Grace goes, I've got a healthy snack, a bagel with cream cheese. <laughs> yeah, so ba- bagels are literally my favorite food in the world. I think about them. I wake up thinking about them. I uh, Well, yeah, they're so delicious. They're, they're like literally four breads, as we've discussed. They're the equivalent to four slices of bread. They're a very like dense and nutrient-poor meal. Yes. So – to try and deal with how much I enjoyed eating bagels, I found these ones called thin bagels and they're meant to be like half the thickness of a normal bagel. Yes. <laughs> so it's not like eating whatever, 600 calories in one go. And I was like, Izzy, these are a very healthy snack. And then when we looked it up, they just weren't. Yeah. Grace had, fig- Grace and I had three today. <laughs> three whole bagels. <laughs> Yeah, three. I had one at like 10 and then I was still hungry, so I had one at 12 and then I'm now just having one at three. Probably have one at seven as well. <laughs> I know. And Grace goes, these are only like 100 and something calories. And I was like, that literally isn't true, Grace. And then she walked back to the kitchen and goes, oh, my God, I don't know where I got that number from. And she's like, I was like, Izzy, that wasn't true. Sorry. While eating your third one. I know. I know I, they are delicious. I get really obsessed with specific food as mm. well. So obviously anyone who knows me, I don't know if the listeners know this, but anyone who knows me, my favorite food is curry and has been my entire life. But then this week I just got in this crazy mindset and I think it was because I went away to Portugal and there was no curry. (laughs) And so I got back and just went a bit wild and me and you got it last Thursday. Yeah, I ordered it on Saturday and then I ordered it last night and then I was like that's three that's too much takeaway Indian curries in in a seven day period in it's, a six day period yeah we were just talking about how part of the like pea brain experience I don't know if it's the ADHD if it's an ADHD thing or if it's just a, having a small brain a smooth brain thing but um <laughs> we just get things in our head and just cannot like ca- cannot I just cannot adapt to the situation yeah. not going my way and if I have in my head, like on Zach's birthday, I had in my head that we we're going to go to Golden Deli and have burrata and two glasses of wine at 4 p.m. and then go to dinner at 8. And then we got there and they didn't offer us the wine menu. And all I had to do was ask. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I had like an actual conniption. Like I was like, oh, my God, this just isn't playing out as it was supposed to in my head. Let's go. Let's just go. I was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what's wrong with you? And I just – I can't – I'm not – yeah, I'm no. not very adaptable. I think I used to be way worse with the – with that, where mm-hmm. I would where I would fully like have breakdowns and start kind of crying and stuff if things weren't going my way in terms of that. But it's you not know, even like a bratty thing. It's no. like very specific things. Like I'm not – I don't push my will on people and you're not like that either. You're very adaptable in situations, but you'll just get this one little thing in your little pea brain and it just goes on loop. Yeah, like for example, I think I'm literally – which isn't a nice thing to admit, but I, I think I'm actually my worst self in the back of an Uber if I'm running late. Because I'll actually be like snappy. <laughs> it's not to, a nice thing to But admit. like, you know, you don't want to be snappy to your Uber driver or be, you know. I was in a car with a friend once who called the Uber driver driver. Was that you? Driver? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, driver. Uh, literally, driver, can we go left up here? I was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah, wasn't you? The thing that's stuck in my brain right now is should I or should I not get a belly button ring? Yeah, I think you should. The adult in me says no. <laughs> the P says the P says that's cute. Um, 
Yeah, no, I love the belly button ring. I've always loved the belly button ring. My absolute fantasy as a teenager was the to have like a Playboy. Do did you not have one? I did. So this uh, buckle up, sister, because we have a story. Actually, mm-hmm. it's not that good a story, but. Basically, when I was – I wanted a belly button ring my whole teenage years, as everyone did, and my mom was, like, quite strict and wouldn't let me. So then when my dad came to stay in Perth, when I was staying with him, I basically convinced him to, like, let me get one. He had to sign some paperwork or something because I was underage. Oh, my god! And then the whole summer I was hiding it from my mom until I could take it out so I wouldn't – whatever, she wouldn't see it. I don't know why she would, but in Perth, it's like summer, you're always by the pool. Yeah. So I was wearing one pieces all the time to cover it up. And then one day she like came to the house by surprise <laughs> and was like, I'm taking you guys to the beach. And I didn't have a, a one piece and I had to tell her and she literally had a conniption, like she lost her mind. Yeah. And then we had this huge fight about it. She was like, take it out. And I was like, no. And basically was the, I was like, I don't know, trying to like protect it. I like knocked it and then it got fully infected and it was so infected for like a month where I just wouldn't take it out because I was so obsessed with it and it was disgusting. And then I eventually had to take it out and it took like literally a year to heal. I still have a full full hole. The hole? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like look. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got the like, I can feel the... The thing. The thing. I want it again. I still I romanticize them. I want I I, I like them. <laughs> Dua Lipa has one. I like her little ring. That's what I think looks really nice. Yeah. Remember how dangly and long they would be? Yeah. I would have a long bejeweled one and I had a pink Playboy one. Oh my god, you're like my dream girl. A pink Playboy one. My cousin wore low rise jeans once with them and hers was so little it got caught on the zipper and it pulled down and tore. Wow. Yeah, everyone knows a horror a belly button horror story. Should we go and get it done? I just worry I have a few worries. I worry that we're too old. <laughs> I mean I'm older than you. How old is Dua Lipa? Younger than me. But <laughs> let me just check. She's twenty-five. See I, you know? And then I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, but she's young enough to have, she's old enough to have the like naughty's nostalgia, I think. Whereas like the true Gen Z kids are genuinely seeing it for the first time now. Yeah, they're not, they're not remembering it. That's so true. Because when I mean? they grew up, like, did no one get belly button rings? Because it's just not been cool this whole time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. We are probably a bit too old to get it done again but we could just get it done discreetly pretend we've just had it on this whole time i guess that's worse that's worse i got my tongue webbing pierced wow nice. i had my lip pierced shut up yeah shut your fucking i mouth, was like did you? punk <laughs> i was like punk i was very punk <laughs> oh my god your lip i wow i can't imagine it how long did you have your eyebrow pierced please no say <laughs> never did yeah. your nose pierced yes I can see having your nose pierced. Did you wear a stud or a ring? I cut a ring. Mm-hmm. Which a stud is really cute now, actually. Do you think? I kind of think. I'm not sold on that. They'll definitely come back, though. Yeah. No, yeah. I had nose when I was, like, 17. And I dated Sam, who was that guy that made me drive the butter chicken pies to his house with the <laughs> heater on. The stoner. <laughs> I had to buy his weed with my, like, BP allowance when I worked at Wild Bean Cafe. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and then he was in a punk band and I used to yeah. listen to – I mean, the only band I can think of right now which isn't even punk is Fall Out Boy, but, like, that genre. Yeah, for sure. We all dabbled yes. in that look. 
I got my tongue webbing pierced on schoolies and it was like quite traumatic because they they dropped the tongue clamp while they were doing it. So this huge needle like under my tongue and they're like, don't swallow, don't swallow. And everyone was like oh God, freaking really out. Scary. And then my friend Jo like fainted while it was happening because she was holding my hand and she just like went white and had to like sit down. I was so <laughs> stupid. Piercings is just a funny thing that we all used to be so into. I know. And Even tattoos. I'm so like. We both have tattoos that we hate, but yeah. I'm happy I didn't get more. Mm. Easily could have. Yeah. I mean, I did get two from a place called Tat Dat <laughs> in Melbourne with my friend. <laughs> One is both of us just got this stupid photo of a picture of a cat on our arms, <laughs> which is the, le- the tattoo I hate the least. So that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, tats and thing. I don't think – I wonder if tattoos will come back. I'm thinking if there's this, like, naughty's renaissance, there'll be a renaissance of, like, tramp stamps and, well, yeah, like, um, those butterfly tattoos and, like, the Japanese writing, all that, like, tacky stuff. There'll be an r- ironic thing of that again, which will be interesting to watch. Actually, when I got out of lockdown, when the last big lockdown ended, I was walking down Portobello and there was, like, just a line of children on the street and I was like, what are they doing? And it was – like 40 kids getting tattoos because they'd all turned 18 in lockdown and it was their first chance to get a tattoo, which I thought was really cute. Oh, no. We I know. I was like, stop. Them. <laughs> Showing them out. Oh, look at my Arabic language tattoo. Don't do it. They'd be like, as if we would ever get that, you oh. idiots. <laughs> yeah, my our friend, friend of the pod, Laura Pitcher, wrote a piece about tramp stamps coming back Friday oh, a while mm. ago. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think Let's that's one. happening. <laughs> Go get an AWD tramp stamp. <laughs> I'm I'll, down. I'll get P, you can get brain. Oh my god, that would actually be really cute. No. Something to think about. Things to ponder. Okay, tell me about the movie you went and saw last week. Okay, so I do feel kind of silly recommending this because I looked it up and it's not coming out in Australia till September, but mark your calendars. This is the best movie I've seen in ages. It's called Summer of Soul. And it's a documentary made by Questlove, who's a, like, rapper, producer From a tribe called Quest, right? Yes. And he basically had heard about how in 1969, which was when Woodstock happened and everyone calls it the summer of love, at the exact same time, the exact same summer, 100 miles from Woodstock, they had the Harlem Culture Festival and they called it, like, Black Woodstock. 350,000 people attended over five weekends and it had the wow. biggest black music. It was huge. It was free. It was put on by the council. And it was like the performers were the most iconic soul performers of all time. Nina Simone, B.B. King, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder when he was like 19. It's amazing. And basically this thing happened and then everyone just forgot about it. And the footage from this these five weekends was kept in its original film, like proper old school film casings in a basement in a library for 50 years and no one's seen it. Oh, my God. And Questlove, because he'd kind of heard about it but had been like, why does no one talk about this? People in my family have mentioned it but I've never seen a documentary on it. I've never seen anyone even reference it. I've never read a book about it. Went on the hunt and found all this footage and turned it into this documentary and it's just incredible. The performances are so amazing and they do interviews with like all of the people 
that performed or attended that are still alive. So a lot of them are now in their 50s or 60s and were children when they went or performed in their 20s and are now in their 80s. So cool. And kind of they all talk about how they feel like they just forgot that it happened because it felt like this fever dream that was so important at the time, but then they were never asked about it again. It never was discussed again. And Woodstock has just become this thing that every single person knows about. Whereas this event that had arguably more prolific artists mm. was just forgotten. Forgotten. That's so cool. Did you see it at the movies? I saw it at the movies and everyone clapped at the end. I cried like the whole way Did you? Through. I'm getting my periods. I was like, stop crying. Oh my God. So embarrassing. I am. Um... But 1969 was the year after Martin Luther King was assassinated. So there's right. a scene where Je- Jesse James, Reverend Jesse James, has these amazing singers perform Martin Luther King's favourite gospel song. And I want to go see it, but I'll definitely cry. We'll definitely cry. It's it's like, it's honestly one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Yesterday I'd had no sleep because my (laughs) stupid pea brain friend decided on a Monday to have a big night at my house while I I tried to sleep. (laughs) Um, And I was feeling really, really up, like just really emotional. Like, you know, when you're so tired, you Mm -hmm. feel – not only hungover, but like jet lagged and just so mm-hmm. tired. And the Sensitive. Olympics and the Olympics was on, just randomly in the background. And this girl was doing what is it, weightlifting mm-hmm. over her head, and she got she just did one, and I just started crying. <laughs> she was like happy, yeah. So she was just cheering for herself, and I was like literally crying onto the pillow. The Olympics are emotional. This is why we're all feeling conflicted. Yeah, I know. Someone vials pulled out. Yeah, that's the big news of the day now that we're recording is Simone Biles pulled out. I mean, she's just amazing. She's just a classic. She's just single-handedly, in my eyes, shut down the Olympics because she's just further evidence after what we were talking about already that, like, literally what is the point of this year's Olympics if, if all of the most esteemed competitors are just not doing it? Yeah, and what were you saying before about the person who was stressing out for six months about... Oh, Elizabeth Cambridge. So she's an amazing Australian basketball player, really prolific and recognized internationally. And she basically pulled out of going to represent Australia in the Olympics, which I think would be her first Olympics and potentially her only Olympics. And she basically said that she had been so anxious for six months leading up, thinking about the fact that she'd have to do a two week completely isolated hotel quarantine on the way there and on the way home because she suffers from, I'm not sure if it's depression or anxiety, but mental health issues that she just had to pull out because the stress of thinking about it was too intense for her. And I was like, how unfair that we put athletes through the amount of pressure that we do. We expect them to destroy their bodies, train all day, every day, perform for us like circus monkeys. And then also on top of that, deal with the emotional strain of having to travel in a pandemic that could give them like long COVID and ruin their entire lives yeah. to represent our country so we can cheer for them. I just think it's not cute. Is that a plane? I know. It's weird to hear a plane. Quite wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's actually insane. Like imagine knowing that you're going to Tokyo where there's hundreds of thousands of people from all, like millions of people from all over the world. Plus like Simone Biles, didn't she say when she pulled out, that she pulled out because uh, of the pressure and like the mental health toll plus the fact of how shit it is to just be at the Olympics right now with no crowd, like Mm. no one 
there to support you. You're trying to act like everything's normal when everything's crazy. The thing with Simone Biles as well is that she was abused by Larry Nasser. She was like completely let down by USA Gymnastics and by the Olympic Committee who had been like told about him. And that's obviously like a part of her thing where she's saying like, my, I am struggling with my mental health. I have demons. She says stuff like that. It's like they haven't protected her. So like why should she be like? I didn't actually realize that was an Olympic thing. It's a USA Gymnastics thing, but, like, he was the Olympic squad coach, for, like, the squad medical right. guy for so long. So I feel like it's kind of connected in a way. Crazy. And um, then it's quite crazy that obviously Shikari Richardson wasn't allowed to go because she tested positive for marijuana. And then mm-hmm. weed was, like, on the global stage at the Olympics. Did you see that? There's mm-hmm. all these, like, weed ads and stuff. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so stupid. The whole it's just thing such is a mess. just, like – yeah, it's just so crazy. It feels just greedy. I think Simone Biles in her press conference, she was very emotional, but she was very like resilient and she's just absolutely amazing. She is the greatest gymnast in history, I think, like no question is considered to be. And the fact that she feels empowered enough to get up and just be like, I don't care about winning more gold medals. I don't care about getting more accolades. I don't care about getting you know, more things written about me as the best person ever. I just want to live like a happy, peaceful life. Yeah. It's literally like the millennial, the new millennial rallying cry. It's so inspiring. I know. Wait, is she millennial or Gen Z? How yeah, she's she? 24. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because that's how – I feel like that's how we feel now. All these things we thought it was worth wrecking our mental health and being wracked with anxiety and like having no personal life and making no money – to achieve, we've realized that that's dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're like free. Yeah. Even, even like relating it back to Instagram, which is just kind of off topic, but even just Instagram. I literally used to feel like I had to post so that people thought I was doing something and didn't think that I was at home sad and alone. And then I was like, okay, firstly, no one really is thinking about you. Yes. And yeah. then secondly, like, who cares? About it. And then I think that just kind of released me where now I can just live this happy, carefree life where I'm not thinking. Because I, it's not like one of those things that just comes, I don't know if it comes naturally to anyone, but it doesn't just come naturally to me to, like, I'm not a visual person mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't even, I have the, I don't notice anything. So I have the worst, like, what is it? When you just notice stuff. Attention to detail. <laughs> Attention to detail. Yeah. Ever. So it's like so it's like going through a camera roll and picking photos that you've taken to put on this thing. It just doesn't come naturally to me at all. And then the release of not having to think about doing that is just so nice. And then, I, yeah, I used to think you had to do it for work. And, I mean, I literally will. I, I like, know I'm going to obviously continue to post work because that's how we make money. But just being like, oh, who gives a shit about posting the fact that you, like, went on a holiday to Portugal because – you're like signaling to three people that you're enjoying yourself who likely don't even notice that you're not on it. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. I think it's, I think it is really exciting. I think the pandemic has like ramped up this feeling that a lot of people in our generation have been having of, and it's obviously happened. Like we talked about with all of this stuff, with sports tournaments, with like the Oscars, with business stuff we'll talk about like the girl boss stuff with Leandra Nadine it's like all of the things that we were taught to aspire to pretty much every single one has been proven to be this like mirage like false thing that doesn't matter and I think it's left us feeling at first terrified and now I feel really liberated 
time. But there's a lot of downsides, obviously, because it's scary not having things to aspire toward in the same way that we used to. It's just like home ownership, promotions, getting a certain job title, working for a certain company, getting an Oscar, getting a Pulitzer, getting a whatever. All of these things have just been shown to be really biased and like not objective and just kind of random. And it feels like everyone now is just focusing on like making things because they feel proud of them or they make them feel fulfilled or like they love the collaboration or they like supporting people. It's a much nicer mentality. Yeah. It was a huge shift in my brain. I think even in the past few months, mm-hmm. just being like, Oh, what do you actually want to do mm-hmm. instead of looking at what everyone else around you is doing? It changes everything, doesn't it? So good old Simone, although I will like really miss seeing her in the Olympics. Yeah, so will I. I think, I mean, I haven't really been watching the Olympics. I obviously don't think it's like bad to watch it. I saw the New York Times run a thing saying, is it immoral to watch the Olympics? Oh my God. They're so annoying. But yeah, you know, it says a lot when the biggest news story to come out of the Olympics is that the most famous Olympian of the year is pulling out for mental health reasons than anything that actually happened in the Olympics. So I know. In other news, Jeff Bezos went to space on a penis-shaped rocket. What? Okay, so this is like a man who's not unaware of like public perception. So is that literally the only shape that was available? Like (laughs) I I just can't – I really don't understand from a a PR I know. It's really random. It looks like in Austin Powers when they shoot that like dick-shaped rocket into space. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a meme from the movie that they were doing as a joke. About Jeff Bezos going to space, but it really was a penis-shaped rocket. Yeah, it's also so funny that he's choosing to do that in the middle of the pandemic. Well, he would just – he would quite literally live on his own planet. Yeah, so he went to space for 10 minutes. It was him, his brother, <laughs> this other random, like, astronaut lady, and then a few students. Um, students? Like – astronomy students or astronauts yeah, or some cool shit for them though yeah and then they went up you can get to space and back in 10 minutes yeah so they went up for 10 minutes and had three minutes of weightlessness or whatever and then came back and it's because they're obviously wanting to open up that as like space tourism yeah which richard branson was talking about for ages but i guess bezos is well, I think to the punch. No, I think someone else, it might have been him, went recently, but Jeff Bezos went for longer or further or some shit. Just the like billionaire I'm Olympics. go for 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then apparently when he was up there, he goes, yay. And then he came back down and goes, best day ever. And uh, I was like, oh my God, uh, please. And all his workers are getting paid fucking peanuts in the middle of a pandemic. He's just off in space. Yeah, yeah, it's very, like, classic, like, let them eat cake pandemic behavior. The thing with Jeff Bezos is, I think, firstly, I think Amazon was a great idea and he executed it well. (laughs) Let's just get this out there. Do I think that means he shouldn't pay tax and should be a bazillionaire while his workers don't get paid much money? No. Also, just if you have that much money, why wouldn't you just – pay more tax or just pay more like there were these there's all these articles going around at the moment where people are like jeff bezos owes you nothing like you know he's worked hard to get where he is and it's like yeah he's worked hard to get written by grace yeah (laughs) for the australian he's worked hard to get money doesn't mean he should 
hoard it and not pay as much tax. It's just, I'm just like, if you had that much money that you could never, ever in your entire lifetime spend it, ever. The problem is that I think people don't feel like they have a lot of money. This is not like defending him. I think this is just understanding like wealth in general. I, for example, remember being in uni and thinking if I got – like when I thought about how some people got paid $60,000 a year, which is like a pretty normal salary, I was like if I got $1,000 in my bank account every single week, I don't even know what I would do. Like the thought of it just made my brain explode. I was like I will buy all of this stuff. I'll be so rich. I'll never worry about anything again. I can save 50% of it and I'll still be able to live in like this apartment and do this and do that. And obviously you get to that. And you just don't feel any better. It's just this is life under capitalism is that you just never like you, you think you'll hit this feeling of feeling satisfied. And it's like I I look for ways to get out of paying tax. I'm not making a bazillion dollars a year, but I can imagine that if I was making double or triple what I was making, I would still be in the same kind of pea brain mindset about it, even you though know, I um, bank account in the Cayman Islands. Yes. Grace is like flying off. But I remember when people like Emma Watson and stuff, it came out that they had all had bank accounts in the Cayman Islands were doing dodgy tax stuff. Really? Yeah. There was like a big scare. I feel bad just singling her out, but she was like the most interesting person on that list. But I was like, oh my God, how dare you? That's disgusting. But now that I'm older, I still think it's wrong. It's like you can think something's wrong and sympathize with why people do it. I can yeah. imagine that if tomorrow I got a million dollars in my account. It's like, you know, when you're older and you get inheritance, you you think that, you know, I'm just going to spend that or whatever and then you get it and then you panic and then you're like, I want to put that in a high interest savings account. I don't want anyone to touch it. I don't want anyone to have it. You just get in this kind of panicky hoarding mentality yeah which is what which they, i guess he's in because he feels like he's earned this because he's a genius when really he's there's just a huge amount of like luck yeah which is what they want they want us feeling like we need more all the time uh-huh. yeah that is the thing where you can i just literally wrote an article about pretty much this exact thing the other day mm-hmm. where you can hate capitalism but at the same time you have to live in the system mm-hmm. and at the same time you just understand why people do the things they do so you can be like we need to tax the rich but then you can understand why if you're a rich person you'd be like well no i shouldn't be getting taxed a shit ton more than other people when i've earned this money myself like exactly and, and, when and, people, and yeah the same yeah. like the same thing with like how you said about the tax stuff it's like when you look at it broadly Yes, absolutely. Like the Nordic com- the Nordic countries who tax more and that they're, they're, they're happier and they have healthcare for all and everyone's looked after and, and they are all in the top 10 happiest countries in the world. That sounds great. But then in like when it's a personal individual mm-hmm. thing, suddenly you feel like, why should I be doing this? It's because there's no fucking community. Like none of us feel like we're in this together. We're all just like, yeah, wait. we feel like, what do I owe anyone else? And, yeah. and when, you know, when we talk about Bernie Sanders' ideas about taxing the rich he's not talking about making the rich pay the taxes they should that's part of it he's talking about taxing high income earners 80 percent of their income is like the highest bracket under his like thing that means that 80 cents on every dollar they make goes to the government it's like you can see that why that be like no why are people like well no because why <laughs> yeah. am I, 80 percent of my time and energy and thoughtfulness and brain power is going into the U.S. government. Why can't the U.S. government just think of better ways to make money is their attitude about it. Yeah. Which, you know, it's 
But it's it's even like when taxes. I remember when you're younger, mm-hmm. the thought of yes, the thought of even twelve point five percent or whatever it is going to the government, coming <laughs> out of your pay. You're like before tax or after tax, and then let you look at your salary after tax, and you're like, why? Yes, but literally. Then, and yeah. as freelancers, obviously, we're like getting money and putting aside money to pay for tax. Like and the thirty percent. Yeah, the thought that we're going to have to take this huge chunk of money that we've worked really hard and hustled to earn in a pandemic year and again have to hand that over to a government that we largely find quite like incompetent yeah (laughs) full of rich assholes feels bad and you're not thinking this is going to go to paying homes this is going to go to helping housing commissions is going to make society in a better place you're just thinking this is money that i don't have anymore i don't know how i got here this is not a defense of jeff bezos it's a like understanding of why he somehow thinks this is like fine and when i honestly like let them eat cake is a good metaphor because when i read the book about marie antoinette the whole marie antoinette thing was about these obnoxiously tone deaf rich people who just kept throwing parties and doing all this fabulous stuff while the country was starving and it's like when you have no point of reference Mm. and you're you're used to a certain lifestyle and you don't have to look at how other people live and you're in a bubble of your own privilege or whatever you can just go to space and literally be like, that was fun, and then go back to your, like, billionaire compound and just not thinking. Well, it's the thing with celebrities in the pandemic as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like, how do we expect someone like – or why would we expect someone like Kim Kardashian – so in Kim Kardashian's mind, she would be like, okay, every single person who's coming on this trip has had the best COVID test possible. We know no one has COVID. We're flying on a private jet – we're paying like to be in this separate place. When you have the money and the like means to do so, they would just be like, why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Because no one thinks about. And they're just sitting in their mansion all day. Yeah. Like, we're bored. Let's just go to Turks and Caicos or whatever it is. Cause we, and can. they, and they, yeah, literally can do it. Like they, they, they would be causing less fuck ups than mm-hmm. normal everyday people probably with yeah. like that trip. But then because they're just super rich and, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's a weird system we've got ourselves stuck into. And you also hit a certain threshold with wealth. Like I think if you have $10 million, you make $400,000 a year in interest if you just put the money in an account. Oh, my God. So like if you hit a certain point of wealth, it's just self-perpetuating wealth. You don't actually have to do anything anymore. So with Jeff Bezos, he's got enough money to commercialize space travel. Right. If he commercializes space travel, he's going to become worth an extra 15 to 20 billion dollars, probably, because a lot of people would pay for that experience. You need money to be able to create that infrastructure in the first place. So it's just like money literally just creates more money. We've said this so often where we're like, if we had one million (laughs) dollars, I mean, maybe to make a business idea really work and we had the infrastructure in place, a lot of people in the world could make very successful businesses. Mm. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. I want to talk briefly about his affair. So he yeah. – I love his ex-wife, right? She got like half of his cool. fortune, yeah. gave heaps of it to charity. Yeah. She's a legend. So I found all this Mirror article that says he sent six, six, which is quite gross, and explicit pics to a TV anchor during an eight-month affair. So he had this affair with this married American TV star. But she's like a hottie, right? Like a yeah, I'm trying to find rambunctious her oh, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't, her, isn't she like a, pi- a trained pilot or something? Lauren I'm really Sanchez. into her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's like, I remember reading this piece ages ago and I don't know why I was reading it, to be fair. But he 
had to go into Amazon and address it with all his stuff. Did he? Yeah. Him being so horny. Yeah, because it, like, it was all over the news and you just had to be like, yes, I had an affair with Lauren. <laughs> yeah, and now they're fully like loved up, right? Are they engaged or they're just dating? Uh, no. Oh, are they? I, I, thought they were still to- I thought they were still together. Maybe they're not. Oh, wow. I think it's his girlfriend. Wow. I read a really good piece in Vanity Fair about it at the time, and I can't remember almost any of the details, but I remember coming out thinking Lauren is quite iconic. And his ex-wife is always, all the, the women are amazing. He's kind of accidentally at the center of it. I think his wife, Mackenzie Scott Love, who helped Jeff build up his business, got 50% in the divorce, and now is donating it left, right, and center. Yeah, Queen. amazing. Love Lauren Sanchez. Can't remember why, but she just seems like cool and... Well done. Crazy that they're still together. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to know your thoughts on like, A, would you have a moral problem with bossing a billionaire? B, do you think you secretly deep down would be attracted to a billionaire if you met one just because they're a billionaire? C, would you get a prenup if you married a billionaire or would you expect 50%? Wow. What are your feelings? Do you find D, do you find Jeff Bezos – Kind of hot, if you're being honest. No. <laughs> Yuck. I, yeah. He's gross. Okay. Would I would I like date a billionaire, or do you mean would I be would I be enchanted by a billionaire? I think would you? Yeah. Would Would you have a, on paper a moral obligation to dating a billionaire and be being honest? Would you kind of find it hot that they're a billionaire? I think generally, I, I can't imagine a billionaire that I would find attractive. Because I think generally they would just have a vibe about them that just wouldn't be up my alley. I am, like, typically attracted to people who are, like, layabouts. Yeah, I mean, you my, think that it says something about your personality. Just as you in, need to pursue wealth so intensely. Kind of, yeah. but even, yeah, even just the people, the circles they would be, the people they'd be around and the way they would mm-hmm. act. I can't imagine, like... You're not an accidental billionaire. I can't imagine yeah. just, like, a hot billionaire in a hoodie with, like... <laughs> Like the Zuck, like Zuckerberg, <laughs> you, you know, uh, he has like negative sexual energy. Yeah. So I, 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 I like don't think so. I got hit on by a billionaire one time in the fuck was I? I was in uh, Switzerland. Oh my god! No, Sweden. And I was there on a work trip, and we were out really late one night, all drinking. And this guy just kept buying us rounds and rounds of drinks and like chatting to us all night. And he was just being really forward and chatty. And then someone said that he is literally a billionaire. And we like Googled his company the next day and he kept trying to hit on me. And I was like, no. Oh my God, you could have got married and been a billionaire's wife. Imagine. But what about you? I think that like on paper, I hate the idea in real life could get caught up in the, in the hype. The hype, especially if they, yeah, I, I hate douchey investment banker guys with money type. So I can imagine that most of them I would just find their personalities disgusting. But I think if I found someone attractive and then found out they were a billionaire, I think it would be a, a positive rather than a minus, even though I would like it to be a minus. Yeah, no, I agree. But I do feel ve- I have a lot of anxiety about independence, paying my own way, not relying on you – know, I'm very – Nully about that. So I think longer term, I would find it very, very difficult to be with someone who 
mm. had a lot more money than me or who was paying for things in the house or who I think I would actually be really uncomfortable with that. I would never feel like it was my place. I would never feel like I really belonged there. I would feel. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, me too. I'd like to come on in and just start giving their money away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would. I don't think I would like it. If the ideal situation is like Mackenzie where you marry them and then they become a bazillionaire. So the playing field has been like leveled from yeah. the beginning and then it just kind of happens. So you're like, oh, cool, we have like a massive, massive house. Yeah, I love that. But I also can't stop thinking about that thing you said just offhandedly in the podcast <laughs> the other week where you said that when we were talking about John Mulaney and you said that guys who are with their wives and then they get famous – or then they change, they get more powerful or whatever, don't like staying with their wives because their wives remind them of who they used to be versus who they think they are now and they want to that be. That was about the- Matt Hancock, but it's probably true about John Mulaney as well. Yeah, they yeah. want to be this – they want to think of themselves as this celebrity and this rich and powerful person yeah. that the greater public thinks they are, but then they come home to their wife and their wife's just like, hi, darling. And they-, they remember them in all these periods. They want to forget where they were like a struggling loser who got kicked out of places and had no money and Yeah, I think about that, that all the time. I know. It's interesting, hey? Yeah. I do think men's the stereotype, but I do think men's egos seem to be quite fragile. Yes, I don't think women care that much about that stuff. So interesting. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Speaking of, I don't know, bosses, wealthy humans, there was a really great piece in Airmail Weekly by Lee Stein called Sympathy for the Girl Boss. Once celebrated female entrepreneurs are being torn down for failing at feminism, but is this progress? So this is obviously kind of tied to Leandra Medine and her interview with Rachel Amondi for The Cutting Room 4, which much to my depression, they keep pushing back the second episode. I think a really interesting part of the conversation about the, you know, reckoning there seems to have been with girl boss culture about how, and, you know, we talked about this back when it was really happening a year ago, about how there's a certain, like, gleeful reverie people seem to take in the downfall of certain figures that were framed as girl bosses and why that's you know, kind of 
belies a certain kind of internalized misogyny or whatever. But I thought this piece was really interesting. You sent it to me. What did you think? Yeah, I think it's kind of what we – it's very similar to what we said on the pod. I was like, we need to – Lee, are you listening to Afterwork Dream? <laughs> we need to transcribe our words and send them off. But, yeah, I think it is it is what we talked about where, yeah, literally these women keep getting singled out for their actions, which might not always be the best. But as we've said a thousand times, they're coming up in a culture that – Applauds them to be that Applauds way, yeah. them or like – forces them to act like white men to get into the positions they're in yeah and then they punishes them like more severely than and then punishes them so much more severely like i think the wing is such a kind of prime example and i always go back to that because i remember us i think us being members of it made me look into it so much more than these other ones but at first glance you think oh the wing's gone down it marketed itself as this feminist utopia but really there were bad things going on like it's so easy to be like ha 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 shame on them when you actually look into it there are a couple of bosses like managers who had been hired who were treating their staff in a shit way which anyone who's ever worked at a fashion magazine has encountered yeah and people like my friend is home right she's staying with me right now and she works on the super yachts and she said that the culture like it's so political and the culture there is so horrible and you have these horrible bosses and she literally got let go the other day because her this horrible girl on her boat wanted to hire her friend into her position and it's just like those things then becoming a symbol of your company ethos and then you being cancelled so severely and so much more severely than anyone else because you've Mm -hmm. put out there that you want to try like again we've talked about this so much exactly i think about zach was saying this the other day talking about you know in what he does in terms of mathematics he studies he was saying you kind of have two options coming out of what he's studying and one is the kind of tech world the youtubes and the googles and the facebooks and then one is the investment banking world he said on the one hand on the surface level, you're more attracted to the Facebooks and the Googles and stuff because they kind of go to lengths to portray this workplace culture of fun and pro-mental health and making work-life balance easier and there's ping-pong tables and there's smoothie bars and your friends can come and visit you at lunch and all of this stuff, whereas traditional businesses just hardline like come in at 8, leave at 9 p.m. at night, work your ass off, hit targets – But he was saying the more he talks to people in their respective fields, he kind of almost appreciates the like honesty of just pure (laughs) like Mm. capitalism more than what's happening now, which is pure capitalism condescendingly dressed up as something that isn't that. Mm. He was like there's something to be said for, you know, not being kind of tricked into this cultish thing of like this isn't just a company, it's a lifestyle and a community and a blah, 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 whatever. It's just capitalism we're here to make money you come in at this time you leave at this time you get paid very well and then that's done and you can make your life work around it and I think that that exact thing is the struggle that so many businesses are having now where it's like to connect with a fan base or an audience they're needing to portray themselves as being different to other companies but to work and be successful in the way they want to be successful, yeah. to get investors, to have board members, to be on a Forbes 300 list, to expand, to go international. They need to fit all the old traditional modes of money making. So it's like somehow the second thing feels like more of a scam, which I think is why people react so angrily like they have with like the wing and the man repeller and stuff because it feels like someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, whereas Amazon or whatever, 
Jeff Bezos doesn't share cutesy Instagram tiles and doesn't try to make himself look relatable and doesn't try and be like a funny, down-to-earth, likable person. You know, he just is what he is. He goes into space. He's an <laughs> unapologetic capitalist who has no connection to reality and that's just fine. Whereas I think for millennial women especially, there's this pressure to be that plus, be this like likable, approachable person. Yeah, likable and relatable. When and it just doesn't work. I do think Emily Vice seems to balance it well compared to a lot of other people. Yeah. I think she doesn't try to be relatable. I guess because she grew up in that like hills. She's just been exposed to it for so long. Yeah. She was on <clears throat> the hills, wasn't she? Or like, one of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So as in she was like in front of the camera for so long, probably saw so many people in similar situations. Yeah. So she's probably much more well-versed in it but yeah it's it's like trying to play both sides when you are clearly and you're not doing boss. it on purpose no, like it's yeah, like, but, yeah. It's, but it's that's why i think people react so angrily yeah um but it, and and like it is hard to admit it but it, that is your gut impulse when you see something when you see another woman fail or another woman thrown under the bus who is successful is to be like oh in a in a in like a happy gleeful way, yeah, which is like yeah. Disgusting. Your, your your stomach isn't like, oh my god, I feel so bad for her. That would be awful. That yeah. must be so terrible. I can't imagine what she's going through right now. You know, she's made some mistakes, but like I might have made those mistakes. Our reaction is, ha ha ha, that wasn't me. Mm. Have you? Oh my god, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Like I did that with the Leandra thing. I wanted people to listen to that interview because I thought it was like baffling and astounding. And I, on one level, I thought it was very important that people understood how superficial all the Black Lives Matter rhetoric was because that's something that me and you both feel very passionately about because we saw everyone posting fucking black squares and, like, no one talking in a meaningful way about it. But at the same time, there was obviously a part of it that was a kind of gross woman-hating impulse that, you know, felt happy that someone was caught out or whatever because we've all got this kind of imposter syndrome, I guess. Internalized misogyny. I can't think of anyone who I just I can't think of any female celebrity that whose downfall wouldn't be accompanied by a certain degree of glee by women. And I can't think of any male celebrity that we would feel like that about. Yeah, it's it's like I think there's there are so many celebrities who realize this. So many women in the public eye who realize this. And realize that the only way they can make sure that they're not publicly cancelled and the public doesn't turn on them and hate them is by literally just stepping away from the game completely. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Jennifer Lawrence is such a good example. Mm-hmm. We were all like, we love her, we love her, she's so relatable, she's so funny. And then suddenly it was like, she's too relatable, she's too funny, she's so fake, put on. she's yeah. a bitch, yeah. we hate her, she needs to like burn at the stake. It's just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? And I think we're so easily convinced to do that with anyone. I'm definitely not saying... This is about Leandra, but just about – and also, yeah, the away boss sounds horrible and, like, so many of them sound horrible, but it's also the system that they were fucking – had to come up in to get to where they are is and one I, that, like, doesn't applaud being nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's like – I do honestly think this. I think women aren't really taught to be good bosses no <laughs> like I, I i think women really don't know how to be good bosses i think so many of the horror stories i've heard people having bad female bosses it seems like far less intentional nastiness 
that is obviously an element of it too. A lot of it is people who are out of their depth, who don't know how to act, who cross the lines of being too friendly and then overcompensate by being too harsh, who want to be your friend but also want your respect and don't know how to get – like it, it. it's just confusion about not knowing how to be a good boss. I have not been a boss many times and the times that I have, I was not a good boss because I did not know I wanted to be liked and I wanted us to be friends and I wanted us to get on. And I wanted the people that worked for me to think I was – cool, fun, easy, breezy, great, chill girl. But then I also had all of these expectations on me. And if you were too friendly and too fun and too chilled and too relaxed, then things didn't get done. And then you kind of looked and were like, oh my God, none of that stuff got done because I was too busy caring about being liked. Mm-hmm. And then you overcompensate by being like, where is this? Blah, 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 like chop, chop, chop. And that's like a really bad, like I've hated that in bosses I've had before. So it's like, you know, we're just not, I also trained at being very good leaders, I think. I also don't know if this is a super anti-feminist thing to say, but I don't know. I just feel like women or or my or me personally, like <laughs> either all women or me. Well, I don't want to be like <laughs> no, all yeah. women are like this, but it's like me, you, yeah, you listen to me. I just feel like I'm an emotional person. I feel mm-hmm. like women are just so much more in touch with their emotions mm-hmm. that it does make it harder to be a boss and it also makes it more more important to set these boundaries it's more important to be taught how to lead Mm. but if you're leading from a man's point of view and the way a man would go about things is so different to the way a woman would go about things because we're Mm -hmm. literally different beings like we're so much more emotional we we worry we're people pleasers we worry about others we're Mm -hmm. like empathetic we have all of these different traits that like aren't taught to us Mm -hmm. so then we come into these things for example you crying all the way through summer of soul because you had your period and it's like if you came to work that day yeah and someone who worked underneath you was late with a project you probably wouldn't react to them in the same way as you would yeah. if you were in your fucking other phase that i've already forgotten what it's called and we did that whole podcast oh, yeah, series on it, like yeah. luteal phase or whatever yeah. yeah or if you were ovulating when you'd feel happy and dandy and really easily you could easily cope with things which is not taught how to respond to our bodies in a good way in the work environment exactly and which the thing that's crazy is like our greatest asset at work which is like our emotional intelligence and our intuition and our gut feeling and our ability to read the room and our ability to like harness people's talents based on being able to read them emotionally is also framed as like our biggest weakness so we try to like shut that whole thing off instead of being taught to use the good parts and work around the negative parts and i think Mm -hmm. it just leaves people feeling extremely frazzled and confused i think we've always said this like we feel really badly we said this all throughout the leandra medine segment that we did like we feel really badly for her while also thinking the way she talks is insane (laughs) about like her lack of self-awareness and social awareness but it's you still feel terrible because anyone going through that level of scrutiny on like a really public level is sad and unfair i mean i feel like i don't know if i feel that bad for her now i felt i felt bad for her when man repeller faulted in a way because i was like you have created this community in this website and you have been cheered on for years and years and years for what you've created Mm -hmm. you've had like i wanted to write for man repeller like heaps of friends of mine wrote for man repeller i thought that was so cool friends of mine worked at man repeller so when she got cancelled for that i was kind of like well you know it's ignorant of her to have not learned if she's if she's pitching herself as 
an intersectionally feminist publication. But then a year on, I am just like, come on, just How hard is do, it? do some fucking work. Again, it's like, I'm not strict about her being the face of this public shaming because, mm-hmm. like you said, millions and millions of other people have done the exact same, if not less somehow, work than her. Yes. But I'm And there like, are people God. who have done a lot worse, I mean a lot more toxic in their workplace who are saved by the fact that people just don't care about them. Like it's this catch-22 of if you didn't tap into a market of inclusive people with great values and didn't mm. court their attention, you're w- like more punished than the people that didn't even bother trying to court you in the first place and were just happy to do this, which which I understand because it's cynical and people can read through bullshit or whatever. But I'm also like, you know, uh, I can't remember what the, let me find the quote here from the ML Weekly piece. Leandra Medin Cohen, the founder of fashion site Man Repeller, was felt to lack sufficient awareness of race and class privilege when Cohen directly addressed her audience by sharing her intentions to learn, grow, and do better. The response was, sorry, not good enough, and now Man Repeller no longer exists. Meanwhile, Condé Nast Diversion and Inclusion Council is headed up by Anna Wintour. And it's like <laughs> this idea that, you yeah. know, in That's places like- where we don't expect it, we just don't expect it. So we don't give them a hard time because we've never expected it. Whereas the places that tried, we are much harsher on and we put so much more of a spotlight on. Yeah, which, no, exactly. Yeah. Like the wing. And it's yeah. like Anna Wintour can put one, like Ashley Graham on the cover and everyone claps. Yeah. And I do, like, I do honestly think, and I mean this completely intentionally, I do think. Anna Wintour and American Vogue have gone to lengths to try and correct a problem they've had for a really long time and are doing it in a, to a certain degree in like a good-hearted, genuine way. It's not just they're putting people on the cover. It's like they're going to lengths to include really amazing young photographers and stylists and talent in the pages and stuff like that. I don't think it's a read on Anna Wintour. It's just like the history of Condé Nast versus the history of Man Repeller is like chalk and cheese, yet who's getting cancelled? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, we need to move on to the most pressing news of the week. Yes. Which is Ben Affleck holding Jennifer Lopez's right butt cheek on a yacht in France. Hate everything about this. So, a lot to unpack. I would like to start by talking about Alex Rodriguez, which has not been reported on much. Mm-hmm. Do you know where he is while this is going on? I unfortunately do. The he exact was in the same, same place. place. Do you know why? Do you know how I know? <laughs> why? Because the Daily Mail did a story that put their two super yachts next to each other and listed like the birth of each, the wingspan of each, the values on of a bit each. Of super yacht? Who do you think? J-Lo. Yes. But also, he's filthy rich. He's filthy rich. J-Lo's okay. is worth $130 million. Alex Rodriguez is worth a paltry $30 million. So Alex Rodriguez, in the same, exact same location as J-Lo and Ben Affleck because J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez had planned the trip together to celebrate her 52nd birthday. And, and his, because they have like the same birthday, right? And his 46th yes. birthday. And he decided... Fuck it, I'll just keep I'll just take the trip thinking she wouldn't take the trip. So he's gone alone. She's gone with Ben Affleck. I don't know which is worse. And then Ben Affleck's 
holding her butt in these photos, which look like paparazzi shots, but you zoom out and they are having a professional photographer take the same photos at the same time with his hand on her butt. Which is from the famous music video that they were in together. Jenny from The Block. Is that the Jenny from The Block video? Yes. Okay, yeah. I knew it was Amy's video where he's touching her butt. So I'm like, this is just such nonsense. I just don't believe a word of it. I don't. I don't even think they're having sex. I just think this is like a purely Tom Hiddleston and Taylor Swift. I put a photo of them side by side together in the same fucking location on our dock. Oh my God. You did. Same vibe. It's just got this very PR awkward spin. The Grazia, I don't know his title, creative director or art director, Dano, saw her and um, him today and took a photo. Did he? Literally, look. Oh, wow. He was that close. Yeah. I still think it's fake. Well, I mean, so. They're, par- they're, they're parading about that, you know, J-Lo's in her Bottega square-toed heel and white ensemble. Wearing a bin necklace. Wearing a bit like. That's not real. That's not. No. This is literally J-Lo is worried. She doesn't need to be. About no, looking never. irrelevant post-A-Rod. She's got this big holiday she had planned. She doesn't want to go alone. She knows A-Rod will have like some hottie young thought wait, on the trip. Wait. Do we think Ben knows it's fake? Yes. he's. Fake. Wait, what if he doesn't? That's funnier. Because but, what if he doesn't? But like, he, like, plays the game so hard. He did – with Anna de Armas, he did all of that oh, but, stuff. But, uh, of, as if he would not be obsessed with Anna de Armas. Yeah, but he's, like, basically renting himself out at this point to stay relevant. <laughs> he's, like, literally, like, a renter. He's a gigolo. He's a gig- He's literally a gigolo. Like, he's just doing what he needs to do to stay relevant. I love – I love men that act like women in this sense. He's so obsessed with being, like, publicly relevant. It's because so bizarre. Because the timelines just don't fucking add up. Like, to be this intense with each other when her and A-Rod, like, the, the fucking oh, Southern Charm ben, stuff. The ben, the Ben necklace will actually give me an aneurysm if I look at it too much longer. It's so upsetting. Well, why did you put a big-ass photo on our dock? I just wrote, no, colon. <laughs> I know. It's so big. It takes up the whole – it takes, like, half a page on our dock. Mm. All there it takes is up on half this- a page of – Real estate okay. in my fucking brain. All there is is this Ben necklace so zoomed in and then underneath J-Lo and Ben and Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston and then that's it. Okay, because everyone was – when. okay, this is why I die on my sword so often because when Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston were going out, I was like, this is the fakest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and everyone was like, no. I don't know if it was fake, Grace. Uh, 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 uh. But the reason I don't know if it was fake is because Have what- you seen a single picture of this woman with Joe Alwyn? There's one on the internet and they've been together for like five years and because there's like she- 84 with Tom Hiddleston. Because she realised. No. I, I don't think that. No. no, the only reason I think it was, like, I don't think it was real because I, like, trust in them. The only reason I think it was real was because I'm like, who on earth would fake want their boyfriend to be packed in an I Heart IT t-shirt. Like, because that no. was the, the plan was Tom Hiddleston wanted to be Bond. He right. was on the upward trajectory. He was just in the night manager. Everyone was respecting him. Everyone was into him. Taylor Swift, can't remember. There was something going on. She had an album coming out or something. She just broke up with Calvin Harris. So J-Lo syndrome was worried about looking yeah. like she'd been dumped the by Calvin a player. The Calvin Harris thing was, like, intense. That was real for sure. Yes, so she needs to look like she's moved on really quickly with a very hot up-and-coming person. Tom Hiddleston 
needs to get famous in America because he's only famous in the UK. Plan is concocted. They're going to announce it at the Blake Lively birthday party. Maybe they actually boost. Who knows? But it backfired because the I Love Taylor Swift t-shirt was so embarrassing. So they had to go through with it. And then they just kept doing these really awkward things at like the Vatican with his parents in Australia. The whole thing lasted five weeks. I and they agree never with talked you to now. each other again. Not, they they looked like it looked like a hostage video. I'm kind of photographed together, and that is what Ben and J Lo look like. It's nonsense. It's not real. I'm convinced, but God, I'm gullible. I like feel like J Lo and Ben Affleck are together now. So after they were on the yacht taking the butt pics, yeah, they went to a club for her birthday, and the DJ played "Let's Get Loud," which is like a hundred percent her best song. And no, her best song is "Get Right." That's also a tune. Yeah. yeah. I'm Real is so good. I love I'm Real. I love that whole album, like Jenny from the Block album, start to finish. Yeah, Let's Get Loud was my absolute da, da, bagger, da, though. Da, 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 da. That's, that's the best one. Um, And then they went to this club and, and the DJ played those songs. DJ Play My Song, play it all night long. Oh, I also loved that song. Look, I have nothing but respect for JLo. I respect oh, the I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle with her more than I do with Taylor Swift because Taylor Swift pretends she doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas JLo got a professional photographer Jada. to take a photo of her pashing Ben Affleck to upload on Instagram on her 52nd birthday Jada. because she knew A-Rod was going to be there with some young 30-year-old thotty, which he was. Who was he with? Like someone was like, someone says Emily is just a friend, but the pictures suggest otherwise or something. Mm, Emily. So she just wanted to win the breakup and she's done a great job. She made the perfect move. She like surveyed the room, made the ultimate chess decision. They're going to stick it out for a couple, like maybe a year, do a couple of red carpets together for his new Batman movie. Oh, wait, he's not Batman anymore. I'm just Googling all of Jennifer Lopez's exes to see if there was anyone else who she could have gone for. Bradley Cooper, she's today, but he's he's busy. Sean Combs, Sean Diddy Combs. <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> there was rumours, I think, of with her and, and T. Diddy, right? That no, we, Pre-Diddy posted a, a throwback yeah, photo that's of right. Yeah. J-Lo, yeah, like, like the Kobe. other day. He was like, I'm available after Ben's time is finished. Like, it's, a per- it's, it's honestly like a really smart... PR move. I respect the hustle. It's got everyone talking. It's just enough nostalgia. Naughties are back. Ugg boots are back. Full tracksuits are back. Like Benefits perfect back. time. Benefits back. It's all all good. But if anyone's pretending <laughs> that this is a love affair, no. Could I mean could be <laughs> <laughs> journalism? Do you believe it? I don't know. I didn't at first, and now I do. Now you do. I'm just a. F- I am a gullible girl. I don't know. I just like. Ben I don't know looking why. Hot. Like, in that photo of them kissing, okay, so, so, so cute. Okay. They look like teenagers still. Like they both look so. They beautiful. also look really cute. I, okay, the yeah. reason I kind of believe it is because I've been looking at all these like blurry paparazzi uh, photos from the club where they were like all night long, where all these guests who were there would film them and then upload them to Instagram, and then you can just see them like chatting and laughing in each other's ear and kissing all night. And I'm like, obviously that can be that probably is an act. Like she's an actress. But I don't know, I'm gullible. And then also, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Bye. Bye. Hey, Em, because I forget to uh, text you, can you please play Let's Get Loud as our, e- <laughs> <laughs> as our exit this week? Thanks. Goodbye. Bye.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.